Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network. Hello. And welcome to Shrink Wrapped, a place where you can learn to shrink away some of your problems and find more rapture in this wonderful universe. Today, I want to talk a bit about ladies taking more charge of their own power. How many of you gals out there have been told you can't or shouldn't do something because you're a female? How many of you hesitate to ask for the same income level as your male peers for doing the same job? or even thought to check on it. In my psychiatry practice, I saw so many women deal with really low self-esteem or an inability to stand up for themselves and go for what they wanted. For some, there were even worse problems, like putting up with husbands who mistreated them, sometimes even severe physical abuse, taking care of everything in the home, plus the kids, and sometimes also handling a job and letting husband just come home from work and do nothing. Not surprisingly, a lot of them were depressed. Generally, they grew up in homes where female inferiority was role modeled for them. Having recently participated in a 50-50 day program, a worldwide event promoting more equal balance between men and women, I feel it is important to do a bit more to help women recognize and express our worth, our power, and the things we have accomplished over the centuries. During that program, there was a historical review of women who had achieved high position and done great things in their lives. And yet they were too few, just a small percentage. Even with the powerful queens, prime ministers, scientists, creative people, and executives that did and do exist in world history. While we are certainly accomplishing many great things, we are still often underappreciated, underpaid, and suffer from issues of low self-esteem, which is something reinforced by verbal, emotional, and physical put-downs, and even blatant abuse from some men. We currently live in a political environment where men see fit to try and tell women that what they can and can't do with their bodies, and there are idiots claiming that pregnancies from rape are meant to be. Generally, women are more focused on leading the world in peaceful, constructive ways rather than waging wars and killing things, which I tend to see as a good thing, particularly now that we live in a world that has much more powerful weapons. As women, we need to stand up and do more, not only about how we are treated as people, but about how our planet is being treated, or rather mistreated, in so many ways, and push for things like giving our children and grandchildren a cleaner environment and a safer, calmer, more cooperatively interactive world. I will spend the first half of this program giving you some history and overview of this issue, And in the second half, we'll give you some specific examples of things we can do and skills you can develop to cope with being treated not as good and also help move the needle forward to help more women get there sooner. Ironically, there are many wonderful examples through history of women who have achieved great things in their lives, although not enough of them because there aren't nearly half of the recognized world leaders as women, despite 
are being half the population. Ironically, there are many wonderful examples through history of women who have achieved great things in their lives. Women of achievement, generally, are not focused on as inspirational of examples that women can also be and do anything they want, but they are frequently faulted for an array of usually irrelevant issues. Just for grins, look at the information that accompanies many Google Doodles, and you will also see many women who were the true power or genius behind things that happened, but were not given the credit or the title or the Nobel Prize or any kind of deserved recognition. It usually went to a man for the seminal work done by a woman. Of course, part of that is because women are frequently more focused on accomplishing things that matter than getting the glory. It's also ironic that we live in a country found on the principle that all men were created equal. The reality is that it was for men only, as long as they were white and owned enough property, and women weren't included at all. At the very moment that Patrick Henry made his famous give me liberty or give me death speech, he had his wife confined in his basement because he had deemed her crazy. And men at that time basically owned women, just like they owned slaves, and could do as they wished with them. Although other types of men have now been granted equal status, women still haven't. We still have no equal rights amendment for women, although at least we have moved forward in spite of it and can do things like own property and bank accounts in our own names. I grew up in a home where I was told there were a lot of things I couldn't do because I was a girl, especially by my father. That was really ironic because of the array of mixed messages. It was really okay for me to do any kind of work in the home business, even as a very young child, and I worked with Dad on all kinds of things. Cars, carpentry, plumbing, painting, and in our family business, not girls' work by any means. Yet somehow when I was doing things for him, it was okay. I was a girl. My grandparents had a 27-acre woods that include a hill and a dammed-up creek. And they didn't worry about a girl wandering alone out there or the possible dangers. What it really came down to as I got older was mainly that it wasn't okay for a girl to be smart or want to study science or go to college. After I graduated high school, Dad broke his promise to pay for me to go to college. I was determined, and with the help of my maternal grandmother, who was a role model of female independence as a divorced woman with a demanding career, I was able to go to college. However, I worked and went to school for seven years to get that degree, and got married, had a child, and helped my husband through graduate school in the process, then divorced him. Although I was always nagged by those statements about the things that women shouldn't do, it almost served like a battle call. Being told I couldn't do it because I was a female generally led me to respond with an I'll show you and then do it. After graduation, I worked in a medical school and worked around some doctors, all male at that point in time, who were very encouraging to me in the dream of being a doctor. So in 1969, as a divorcee with a four-year-old and a $70 a month child support for income, I headed off to medical school. It was a time when they took token females, although my school was actually taking 10% females, which was a rarity. 
It's been a source of great delight to watch the medical student population increase to 50% women in the years since graduation and to see increasing numbers of female faculty and more recognition awards, research funding, and such being awarded to women even in schools that had been bastions of male resistance to females in the field. More and more women have cracked the glass ceiling in medicine and other areas as well, and yet too many women still feel stressed, underappreciated, and downtrodden in the professional arena and in the personal one as well. This is America, an educated and seemingly progressive culture, and yet are we really? It is a world where women still don't get equal pay, even though the Lilly Ledbetter Law for Equal Pay for Women passed in 2009. That was a modification of the Equal Pay Act of 1964, which wasn't being enforced and still isn't. What is even worse is the number of women who feel unhappy in their lives and careers because many of the same obstacles seem to exist that existed when I started medical school in 1969 and even before. Women are still seen as inferior, not having equal rights, not getting equal pay, having responsibility for all the home activities as well as their job, while hubby comes home from work and relaxes. Fortunately, there are more and more men who interact with women more fairly than in the mid-20th century and before. The important message I want to convey is that as women, we need to start looking to ourselves for the place to solve the problems instead of wasting our time blaming the men or expecting them to follow all the rules. If they are already reasoned in their approach to women, as is happening, thankfully, with our younger generations, it isn't needed. And if they are still entrenched in being bastions of male superiority, they are going to be resistant to making any kind of change. If you watch our politicians, it is mostly the older ones who take recalcitrant positions. But that generation has still been serving as the employers for a lot of women who could have gone further in a more supportive environment. We also see women who have achieved mightily. Hillary Clinton, Elizabeth Warren, Condoleezza Rice, Sheryl Sandberg, to name just a few. And yet they are criticized for pretty much anything they do, no matter what they do, by some parts of fellow Americans, including many women who haven't accepted women as equals. Despite that, we have to start feeling entitled within ourselves to ask for what we want, to assert ourselves, to do things we want, take time to play, and negotiate with our partners for splitting up responsibilities, whether at home or at work. A major reason more women don't have career along with home, family, and fun friends and activities is because we still don't feel entitled enough and thus don't stand up for ourselves. Many women who are capable of having stellar careers stay in low-level jobs related to their sense of entitlement. We are trained to be good little girls and to not talk back, to not be assertive, to try to please everyone and above all be perfect, whatever that means. We've been conditioned for many generations to feel not as good, to be subservient, and many women even feel they have to tolerate emotional, physical, and even sexual violence, especially if they were raised with it. We are not second-class citizens. We are just as entitled to ask or negotiate for things as men and to expect to have the same kind of give and take uh, with men and get the same respect that they give each other. 
Women need to learn to feel good about doing this at work and in the home and negotiating and delegating activities in the home just as they would at work in an executive position. Certainly there's been a lot of progress, but there's still a lot of pressure to perform to a different and tougher standard than men. Even in recent years, far too many high-achieving women have come to my office stressed, drained, unhappy with home and career because they are being treated like second-class citizens. The reality in life is that if we expect to be mistreated, we unconsciously make it happen or see it as that even when it isn't intended that way, and the cycle tends to continue. When I was in residency, those of us who were women or Hispanic or black or gay all tended to struggle with not feeling we were good enough because... Each also tended to feel they were the only group mistreated that way. Like other minority groups, we also tend not to look to others in our group as success models. It is important for us to learn to accept our power and be okay with being criticized for doing the same thing as a man does. Learn their lingo and then translate it inside your head. If you get called the B-word, Translate that in your own mind to, I stand up for myself, or babe in total charge of herself. If you're told you just won't let go of your idea, hear the term persistent, which is the one that would be applied to a male. If you're called opinionated, be glad you're capable of forming your own opinions. It isn't actually the word that's the problem, it's how you decide to hear it, and you have all the power for your own feelings in that area, no matter what they say or how they intend it. To quote Wayne Dyer, what others think of you is none of your business. Most important, accept yourself for who you are, flaws and all, and don't feel you have to defend it. Your personality defines you, and when you accept that, You are less stressed, strained, and angry, and more able to move forward and enjoy what you are doing. Keep in mind that there is no way you can please everyone on the planet, nor can you even please the people you love all the time. Good grief, you don't even please yourself all the time. Other people are different from you and have different tastes, which doesn't mean anything bad about either of you. However, when you don't please and accept yourself, you have a very powerful inside enemy. That was one of the most important lessons I learned about myself while in psychiatry residency. When an esteemed faculty member told me, when you learn to accept yourself, what others say to you won't matter, I thought he was really crazy. I was upset about having been called the B-word yet again. However, when I came to accept that being strong, willful, determined, opinionated might cause some people to see me in a negative light and own that part of me as okay, not only did I feel better, I never got called that word again. Don't let people bully you with names and labels. Tune them out. Again, quoting Wayne Dyer, When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. 
that is really so true for how we view ourselves. Let's take a brief break, and when we come back, I want to give you some examples of things other people have done and or things you can do to turn things around for yourself and hopefully be an inspirational role model for other women. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN Podcast hosts at EWNPodcastNetwork.com. to shrink wrapped where we were talking about women taking back their power. We've been talking about many of the beliefs that are often carried around by women as well as society and some of the history and application of those beliefs. Now we want to look at some of the things that women can focus on learning and doing so we can feel better about ourselves and keep moving things along toward more equality and better treatment. Some of the behaviors we need to employ involve directly changing the beliefs and attitudes in ourselves that have put us in a one-down position and kept us there. I can tell you all day that you are capable of doing something, but if you don't believe it, you won't accomplish it. To do that, we need to be more aware of the messages we got from others and be able to see that they are not really rational or logical except in the arena of someone wanting to exert power over another person. Keep in mind that men in society do not do this only to women and quit taking it personally or like it's some kind of ultimate law. We need to give up any expectation of being perfect in the eyes of others and realize we are the one and only copy of us in the universe and are therefore the only perfect us by definition. We need to learn how to allow ourselves to open up and think our own thoughts and trust our own observations and not just continue parroting back whatever was handed to us in the past. Thus, one of the most important questions to keep asking ourselves is, why is Situation X happening? How did that come about? What are the good and bad points about it? Are there things I think I could do to improve the situation? And how do I start that right here, right now, in my own life. It is not up to someone else to change your life the way you want. It is up to you to push for the things you believe in. If something feels wrong or unfair, look into it, do some study of it, and then decide what the thing is that you feel is most right about doing for you in your life. What are some of the ways we can respond to things we don't like and create changes where we treat ourselves as equals and help others see the importance of that? To give you a very vivid illustration, I want to tell you about one of my former patients, Lily Ledbetter. She describes this in her own book, Grace and Grit, and names me as her psychiatrist and recounts this same information. When this woman came to me, she was a basket case. I described her as being like a cat that had gotten its tail stuck in a 220 socket. Angry, tearful, overwhelmed, deeply hurt. 
It was tough enough that she was a manager at a Goodyear plant, working at a physically tough job in a very demanding environment. She was also aware that women weren't treated very well generally. She had already filed an EEOC claim against them for sexual harassment, which got her moved to a much worse type job. But then someone managed to anonymously inform her about how much less salary she was paid than male managers in comparable positions. She was devastated. As she started getting through the pain, she started looking at what she wanted to do from there. As she got better and stronger, she decided she wanted to take it to court because she realized it was an issue bigger than her. She fought ferociously. And 11 years after the event happened, President Obama signed into law, as the first law of his new presidency, the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. I'm really proud of her. It shows what one person, one woman with determination, can do to get change moving in the right direction. I would suggest you read her story, either on the internet or in her book, Grace and Grit. She is still pushing that cause forward with her book and her speaking activities. Of course, you don't have to go to the extent Lily did to make an impact. As the Dalai Lama has said, if you think you are too small to make an impact, try sleeping with a mosquito. So let's discuss some simpler examples of responses you can initiate, some of them just in everyday life that can help shape people's perspective, educate them, and move things along. One example I've heard many times is about female medical students raising protests to the dean and similar things to protest some of the highly sexist dialogues and behaviors in medical school. I personally used a strategy that was much simpler, one that helped change the situation dramatically by putting a shoe on the other foot. Biochemistry professor one day was lecturing, and about every third slide he put up was a naked female. It really wasn't appropriate, so about halfway through the lecture, I raised my hand and asked, where are the slides for the girls? It shocked the prof and my classmates, but it also put things in perspective, and we had no more lectures like that. It wasn't a big outrageous act, it was a small one, but it got their attention and continued to get their attention and change the behavior. I've also had a couple of men in positions of authority make improper sexual advances. Simply looking them in the eye and stating, I don't think your wife would like that, was sufficient to get them back off. And there were no threats to fire me or retaliate either. You need to really understand that it is not okay or appropriate for a man to mistreat a woman just because she's a woman, and you need to watch for signs of an abusive personality before you get too involved, whether it's in a relationship or in a job. This is an especially tough issue if you've been raised in an abusive home, because that has become part of a set of built-in expectations, and unless and until you decide to change those rules for yourself, it's really difficult. When you get slapped around growing up and told it is because they love you, it gives you unhealthy parameters to live by. I had a patient who grew up with abuse as bad as anything you can imagine. She then married an abusive husband. When he quit abusing her, she thought it meant he didn't love her anymore. 
With help, she learned how to discuss it with him and found out he stopped because he loved her and she was able to make adjustments to a better and much happier and healthier life. You do not have to always be that nice girl, the one who pleases all the time and always gives in. You can stand up for yourself, disagree, be angry, take charge when called for, and you don't have to change what seems right to you just because a male disagrees. Of course, discussion and collaboration is the optimum technique, but sometimes it takes a while before that begins to work. Keep reminding yourself that you are not any less capable because you are a woman. If anything, males have one arm of a chromosome less than women, so they would have the problem. The lioness is every bit as good a hunter as the lion. It's really important to keep telling yourself about your okayness on a regular basis to keep offsetting that old programming that told you you are not good enough because you're a woman. Being told you are not good enough, that you are not a legitimate, worthwhile human being, is a strategy for someone to build up their ego at your expense. But it has nothing to do with reality, and you need to keep reminding yourself of that. Look to women throughout history who have done great things and adopt them as role models. There are many women who have done remarkable things, and some of them are quite openly recognized. However, there are many other accomplished women whose work is minimized and a man takes the credit. Google is now great at celebrating the birthdays and historical significance of the forgotten women. Read these so you can celebrate the power of women and increase your sense of self-worth. Consider taking a bit more time and rereading the biographies of accomplished women and learn from them and let some of them help light your path to where you want to go. If you really want to do something women just don't do, go for it. There has to be someone who goes first. We have many more women doctors, lawyers, executives, business owners, scientists, and so on that were doing that back when I started medical school in 1969. But there had been pioneers before each of us as well. And the more we do these things, the more acceptable it gets. It's very satisfying to know that my struggles may have made the path easier for the women who came after me. Bring those men into your life who are supportive. I was very pleased at 50-50 Day with the number of men who were actively facilitating equality for men and were there to be supportive and sharing ideas and learning at the meeting. I've been blessed to always have men like that in my life which helped offset some of the negative stuff from Dad and others. Find some men to be around who can appreciate you for your power and let them help you learn and grow as you do the same for them. Another strategy which can be very effective is to remind yourself that just because someone says it doesn't make it so and doesn't make it bad. I remember a female inpatient one time who was getting very upset because she overheard some other patients referring to her by the N-word. I explained it was only a word, and it could only be hurtful if she chose to look at it that way and believe that about herself. I then asked her how she would have felt and reacted if they'd called her a honky, and she burst into laughter and realized that would be ridiculous and untrue, and that she could treat the N-word the same way. 
She took the power away from that word from then on. Another way to view these negative comments, especially with someone who is not a spouse or close friend, is to simply realize that they are being who they are, and it has nothing to do with you, and you don't need to take it personally. However, I also suggest you not spend time around people like that if you don't have to. If you can't avoid them, learn to reframe those ideas as we discussed earlier. You do not have to believe them, or listen to them, or respond. Sometimes a total lack of a response is a much more effective strategy, and they are apt to go elsewhere and look for an easier target for their own inner problems. It can be very productive to take time to reflect back on your family and go back as far as you can looking at behavior patterns and see if you can tell where certain kinds of behaviors came from. The more you do it, the more you will see the various forces that shaped them and had nothing to do with you and that shaped what they pass on to you in terms of behavior and the things that they teach you that led to your negative beliefs about yourself. Let's look at some future planning and what you can do to help decrease these problems in and for future generations as well as current ones. As wives and especially as mothers, we spend a lot more time with our kids than dads do generally, and it's important in raising them that we teach both boys and girls to respect mom as much as they do dad. To do that, you have to first have respect for yourself. I see so many families where the child, especially a boy, but it also happens with girls, will run amok with mom and behave perfectly with dad because neither of you have taught them to respect you, while dad has made it clear that crossing certain boundaries produces certain consequences. Some women seem almost afraid to assert authority over their children, then wonder why the kids have no respect for others' rights. I remember one woman who was an MP at a local military base, and yet she couldn't do a thing with her son. However, I taught her the mindset and importance of setting limits and consequences with kids and how to do it, and helped her look at how she did that with others. And once she did that, things changed totally. She stood up and asserted herself, and her son then backed down. It is very important in raising your kids, first of all, that you set boundaries and consequences. Once you do set them, be sure you follow through. If they continue to do the behavior and you continue to just make the threat and you never follow through, you're teaching your child that your threats and your consequences mean nothing and they don't have to mind. Do not ever set consequences you cannot or will not keep. Learn enough to respect yourself and set boundaries and enforce them. I also see issues of a lot of people raised with the idea that there's a man's work and a woman's work. But sorry, in a home and a family or living by yourself, or anything else, there are things that need to be done, and they should not be made gender-specific. Guys can clean house, cook, do laundry, wash dishes, just as well as gals, and I've seen many a woman do great things, like mowing the yard, fixing the car, and all those other 
guy things. Raise your sons and daughters to be active participants in all the chores that go into running a household, having a relationship, and being responsible. That will also help prevent a lot of marital discord. Another issue is to teach your kids, especially boys, because there's been so much cultural pressure for guys to hide their feelings, to be able to talk about their feelings, both to be in touch with and to express his own feelings, and to be able to listen to those of his female partner as well as friends and family. Guys have often been taught to stuff their feelings, hide their feelings, and certainly not talk about them. That is an important thing we need to help them change. I hope this will help you realize that you are ultimately in charge of how you are treated and where your life takes you, not your gender and not others, and that you will find some of the skills and strategies of this program helpful in your journey to stepping into your power. Next week, we will have an interview with Rebecca Pot Fitton about her book, Wave Rider, which explores her struggles with her childhood sexual abuse. Until then, I wish you a wonderful life full of rapture in this fantastic universe. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.